Welcome back to another episode of Health Talks Now, brought to you by Baptist Health. We just kicked off season three of the show, and we have a really exciting season lined up for you guys. Today, I'm talking with an expert who studies and treats one of the most important structures in the human body, the spine. Neurosurgeon Dr. John Sirock is joining us on the phone today. Dr. Sirock provides comprehensive care in the diagnosis and surgical treatment of disorders of the brain, spine, and nerves. He has fellowship training in minimally invasive and complex spine surgery, which we're going to talk about today. He treats all adult spinal disorders, including degenerative disorders, scoliosis, spine trauma, spinal vascular malformations, and spinal tumors. And he also treats brain pathology, including brain tumors, hemorrhages, and head trauma. Dr. Sirak, welcome. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule today to have a little chat. Hi, thank you for having me. So let's start with the basics. I think back pain has to be probably one of the most universal experiences in terms of medical issues right up there with headache. I mean, who hasn't experienced a headache or some type of back pain before? But at what point does back pain become more of a chronic health issue versus an occasional inconvenience and what can be done to help? That's exactly what we're going to talk about in today's episode. So Dr. Sirak, over to you. I think this is a great place to start. What are some of the conditions that you see that are causing some of that more serious chronic back pain? And at what point do you start to consider surgery as a treatment method? Yeah, so back pain can be caused by a variety of different uh, issues. It can be from from the spine itself or your back, uh, anywhere from the spine uh, in your neck, your cervical spine, your thoracic spine in the middle, or your lumbar spine in, in the low back. But it can also be caused by structures surrounding the spine, like muscles, uh, ligaments, uh, tendons, that sort of thing. And that's really the most common cause of, of back pain is uh, muscular or, or an issue similar to this, uh, overuse, that sort of thing. When things really start to become a problem is when we start seeing issues with the spine or degeneration of the spine on imaging, such as an MRI or, or an X-ray. And so the conditions I treat are, are generally more advanced. So in terms of back pain, you have multiple structures in your spine that can break down. It's basically a form of arthritis or a way arthritis affects your body, uh, similar to how your you know wrist or your fingers or your shoulder or your knees would develop arthritis. Your, your spine also develops arthritis. When this becomes uh, severe, uh, we start to see uh, evidence of this on, on imaging and kind of breakdown of discs and, and the joints in the spine. And the other thing that we see is we see compression of nerves or the spinal cord. So uh, whereas if you look at somebody with severe arthritis in their hands, you may see that their knuckles are, are quite large and overgrown and yeah. you know that's painful but uh, there, there's nothing important for for that overgrown knuckle to push on but in the spine when things overgrow nerves or the spinal cord can be compressed and so that can cause more more serious issues and, and these are the, the reasons why I most commonly perform spine surgery is because of compression of nerves or, or spinal cord as a result of degeneration or, or you know in some cases trauma that sort of thing that's such a good explanation of that I'd, I don't think I had connected the dots that it was similar in how it affects the body as arthritis and other parts of the body, but that makes complete sense. And I think that's going to help a lot of people understand what's actually happening when they're feeling some of this pain and connect to something that they're more familiar with. So 
When you look at, you get to a point with a particular case or a patient where surgery is kind of on the table now. Obviously, this is not the case for everybody, and this is a conversation they're going to have to have with their provider and looking at the full course of their uh, medical history and other factors personal to them. But when you get to the point where surgery is an option, talk to us about robotic spine surgery in particular. This is something that you're an expert in. I know it varies from just the traditional, more kind of old school of what we may be used to when we think of surgical technique. But talk to us about the the evolution, I guess, of the industry and what we're seeing with robotic spine surgery today. Sure, yeah. So um, like, like other areas of medicine, uh, robotics has uh, become more and more uh, accepted and used uh, in, in spinal surgery. So robotics and spine surgery have really been used over the course of the last maybe 10 years or so, at least in the United States. In fact, when, when I was uh, in residency training, we uh, actually tested one of the first robots, uh, uh, beta testing, and that was my first exposure to robotics. And, and frankly, at that time, uh, I had no interest in it. Um, it, it. It slowed me down and, and I didn't find it to be particularly useful. But over the course of time, technology has changed and advanced. And now I've, I've found that or I've incorporated uh, robotics into into my practice very heavily. Really, I've come to, to to rely on robotics to do many of the, the surgeries that I do. So, basically, it's it's relatively new to the field of of spine surgery. But in terms of how we can use it, again, as, as the technology has improved, robotics and in, in spine surgery uh, has allowed us to be much more accurate and efficient with surgery. So we're uh, able to do surgeries uh, quicker and with more accuracy than we would have been able to do previously with more traditional technologies. Mm, that makes sense. So previously, you know, the same procedure in general is happening. It's just the method by which it's occurring that has changed when you look at robotic spine surgery. And previously, I guess the the surgeon would have done what they just call freehand, which is relying on their knowledge of the human anatomy and then matching that to the particular patient's x-rays. That's correct. So there are various ways to kind of do uh, surgery and, and traditional approaches, but we would rely on x-rays that were taken in, in the in the operating room okay. uh, to guide us. And yes, it would be freehand. In other words, uh, you know, your, your hand ultimately guides uh, where the instruments go and, and you utilize, you know, the patient's anatomy or, uh, or x-rays that you're taking in the operating room to determine where to put a, a screw or uh, where to put a retractor, et cetera. Yeah, that makes sense. It, it must also, I imagine it would allow for a lot more complex procedures to be done with better precision, meaning you don't have to worry so much if, if your hand trembles or or something like that. Is Do you find that to be the case? Yeah, no, I, I think it makes uh, very complex procedures less complex. Uh, and, and it also, uh, I, I think it gives the surgeon, at least myself, uh, even more confidence in, in what I'm doing, uh, utilizing the robot uh, so I can work, work faster without any... Concerned that uh, that hey maybe that X-ray isn't exactly right or sure. it's not showing me what I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, what are the potential benefits? Then well, you've mentioned a couple: just the precision, the greater um, complexity with which you can perform the procedures. What are some of the other potential benefits that you see of using 
robotic techniques to do minimally invasive spine surgery versus, you know, what had traditionally been done all these years before? Uh, yeah, and in addition to the sort of the precision and accuracy it, it provides and also the efficiency, in other words, I'm able to do surgeries more quickly, which is, is frankly better better for the patient, less time under anesthesia and less time basically being opened up to the air and potentially uh, uh, decreasing infection rates, that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. uh, um, the uh, robot also, it, it kind of allows uh, me and I think other surgeons to push the envelope in terms of uh, minimally invasive spine surgery. And minimally invasive spine surgery is, uh, is an area of spine surgery that's become increasingly more popular over the course of time. Uh, just to give you a quick overview of, of what it is, Minimally invasive spine surgery uh, seeks to minimize uh, the amount of destruction to normal uh, structures in the body. So it, it seeks to preserve muscles so you're not going and making a big incision and tearing down all the muscles mm. to do what you, you need to do. Uh, and also seeks to preserve uh, what, what's normal in the spine. In other words, there's usually an area or two or, or maybe more than that, that that there is abnormality. but. You want to you want to fix that without you know causing any p- potential problems in the future or affecting the the area that that's normal in the spine, sure. and, and so that that's kind of the basis of minimally invasive spine surgery is to achieve those things. And as a result of that, and what's what's great for the patient is, uh, typically this decreases the amount of time that they're in the hospital, or maybe mm-hmm. they don't need to stay in the hospital at all uh, with a minimally invasive procedure versus a more traditional procedure, and, and typically gets you back to what you want to do uh, much much faster than uh, than traditional methods. And so, ro- robotics has really helped us uh, perform more minimally invasive uh, surgeries. Again, minimally invasive surgeries really rely heavily on use of you know, x-rays in the OR and, and, and that sort of thing. And uh, robotics really takes the guesswork out of that. So uh, I know exactly where I am in the spine at, at any given time, you know, simply by uh, looking up at a screen and I'm able to see, you know, this, this is where this is where I am based on a, a CT scan that, that I got before uh, surgery. That's incredible. I think when most people consider minimally invasive surgery, they've kind of become accustomed to hearing the words laparoscopic surgery. I think those have almost become interchangeable in some people's mind because for such a long period of time, laparoscopic surgeries were kind of the buzzword when it came to the newest minimally invasive capabilities. But Robotic surgery is not laparoscopic surgery, but it is a type of minimally invasive surgery. So can you explain to us a little bit about, you know, what makes those different or how they compare? Uh, yeah, so, um, you know, laparoscopic surgery utilizes cameras to look in, inside of the belly to fix problems allows the surgeon to do that uh, without opening the, the belly up completely um, through a very large incision. So it allows them to work through small incisions and to split the muscle rather than you know opening it up, potentially destroying muscle, et cetera. So mm-hmm. um, the same goes for, for minimally invasive spine surgery, uh, whereas we don't, we don't typically use cameras for, uh, for minimally invasive spine surgery. Uh, we do work through uh, typically smaller incisions, or at least uh, we, we are able to achieve less destruction of the muscle that surrounds the spine. And that, uh, of course, uh, speeds up recovery uh, and, and also really is probably helps in, in uh, decreasing the rate of, of 
spine surgeries that are needed in the future because uh, your, the muscles of your of your back are very important in, in holding you up and, and assisting the spine uh, and supporting your weight. Um, so they're similar in, in that they're working through smaller incisions and they're, they're not destroying uh, normal anatomy, normal muscles, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. Obviously, we're talking about completely different parts of the body, too, and different techniques. But I think for people like myself who aren't really steeped in this stuff, who aren't as familiar, we started to hear things like minimally invasive and laparoscopic in the same sentences and the same terminology, and they start to get a little muddied. So it is helpful to kind of break it down that minimally invasive surgery is kind of the larger parent category. And uh, you can lump a lot of things under there, including laparoscopic surgery, including minimally invasive spine, including robotic surgery. So I think that was a really helpful um, little side note there. So thank you for helping us understand that. Let's talk about the actual tool you're using here at Baptist Health, the Excelsius GPS from Globus Medical. How does this tool work? What makes it special? And does a physician have to go undergo specialized training in order to use a machine like this? Yeah, so uh, so we use a, a, a specific robot. The uh, Globus Excelsius GPS is, is really state-of-the-art in terms of uh, robotic technology. Uh, I've used a number of different robots in, in the past, and uh, this is the one that I feel is, is uh, best suited to its job and, and performs the best and, and really the, the highest level of technology. But uh, uh, basically what, what this robot is, it's, it's a robotic arm. So uh, the base of the robot sits on the floor, and there's a robotic arm that comes in, and, and the robotic arm has a special coverings to, to keep it sterile, in other words, keep it germ-free for, for surgery. Um, and the robotic arm is the thing that actually helps you with surgery, but uh, the, the other very important component to the robot is, is what's called neuronavigation or a neuronavigation system. And, and basically what, what that is, is we get a CT scan of, of the patient prior to surgery, and we load that CT scan up into the into the robot, into the, the software or the neuronavigation software. Um, and then when the patient's in the OR, we're able to put specialized markers on the patient. And so uh, utilizing cameras, uh, the cameras can see where the markers are on the patient and the cameras can actually orient the robotic arm and that, that neuronavigation software to the patient's body and space. So uh, I can take a little probe and I can put it anywhere on the, the patient's spine and it, it'll show me up on the screen exactly where I am uh, based again on that CT scan that the patient has prior to surgery. That is incredible. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's very, very cool stuff. Um, again, once once the robot is oriented, uh, then the robot, the robotic arm can come in and can assist me in, in performing surgery. What, what I'm able to do or what, what uh, I use the robot for uh, most commonly is, is kind of two things. So one is to place uh, screws and rods into a patient. So screws and rods are, are sometimes used in, in spine surgery when we perform what's called a fusion surgery. So certain disorders require uh, what we call a fusion and, and that typically requires us to place screws and rods. And so the, the screws go into very specific areas within the bone of the spine and utilizing the CT scan that's performed prior to surgery, I'm able to plan out exactly where I want to put those screws. Mm -hmm. um, and then 
I'm able to bring the robot in. The robot, again, oriented to the patient's uh, body and space, is able to set up the trajectory for me to put in those screws, and then I'm able to to put in those screws uh, using actually kind of power tools. And so that, that allows me to very efficiently and accurately place screws um, when, when necessary. And then the other thing that the, the robot uh, helps me to do is to place specialized, minimally invasive retractors. So again, the idea behind minimally invasive surgery is that we're trying to preserve muscle and normal structures. So we work through smaller incisions and, and we're looking through very specialized retractors that give us, uh, that allow us to see the area that we're working on in the spine without tearing down all the muscle and exposing the spine completely. It almost sounds like you're describing like a GPS on your car. <laughs> like you've got this map laid out and you, you can see waypoints along the way. You can see kind of your travel, where you're going, where you're headed. Do you look at it kind of like that? Yeah, it, it, it is a lot like uh, GPS. And again, that the GPS is, is in the name of, of the robot itself. But uh, yeah, so you, you can see exactly where you're going or, or I guess in a way kind of get directions to where you're going or, or uh, direct the robot where to go uh, via that kind of GPS idea. But uh, yeah. that, that's a very good analogy. Yeah, and again, just um, for clarity's sake, the specific robot that we're talking about now, the Excelsius GPS, is a tool under that larger category of minimally invasive surgery. So there are lots of these out on the market. You may have heard of some um, like the Da Vinci robot, for example. So I think when we when we have all these terms floating around, it can feel very confusing, but it's really just Minimally invasive surgery is kind of the overarching uh, specialty or procedure. And then within that, just like within any other specialty, you've got branches of different products or um, of different techniques. So I think that's always helpful to kind of come back to to ground us as we're talking about all these new terms and new brand names helps to kind of guide us from what we're talking about. But now that we've covered the ins and outs of the procedure itself and the tool that we're using, let's let's jump back to some of those conditions that this procedure can be used to treat. Obviously, this isn't going to be a fit for everyone or every ailment like we mentioned at the top of the show, but just like any other medical procedure, treatment plans are always highly personalized. But that being said, who would be a good candidate for robotic spine surgery? And what conditions from some of those that you mentioned before could benefit from something like the Excelsius GPS? Yeah, so the uh, primary applications that, that I'm using the robot for at this point uh, that, that it's really necessary for are, are fusion surgery. So surgeries where we're putting in uh, screws or rods uh, or, or uh specialized spacers to uh, allow for, for fusion to occur. And uh, fusion surgeries account for a large portion of the, the surgeries that we do overall. And just depending on the person's uh, specific issues, uh, as you were kind of alluding to with, uh, with coming up with very in individualized plans, you know, somebody may or may not need it. But uh, I basically use the robot for all fusion surgeries, at least in the, in the low back or mid back. We'll be right back. You have questions? We have answers. If you're looking for health and wellness advice, tips, and resources, the Baptist Health blog has you covered. 
Whether you're looking to stay up to date on the latest COVID-19 developments, wondering if you should be worried about that headache, looking for advice from trusted medical professionals, or even trying to find a new healthy recipe, Baptist Health is bringing you the facts and information you need when and where you need them most. Visit share.baptisthealth.com to start reading today. We're back with Dr. John Sirach. What what kinds of symptoms or what kinds of diagnosis might someone have that would require them to need those screws and rods that you mentioned? So there, there's a, a, a number of issues uh, that, that could potentially require that. Generally speaking, uh, we say that if a patient has instability of their spine, and in other words, if there's abnormal movement that's, that's going on within the spine that's causing pain or causing compression of nerves, you know, th- those are patients that, that are good candidates for fusion surgery and do very, very well. Okay. Um, the other uh, group of people kind of broadly that, that require fusion surgeries are, are those that, that have abnormal alignment of their spine, often known as, as scoliosis. Okay. Um, but with abnormal alignment, oftentimes we, we've got to essentially kind of break the spine and pull it back into alignment and then put in the screws and rods to hold everything in place. Um, so those are kind of two broad categories, uh, instability of the spine and, and then also uh, what we call deformity or, or abnormal alignment of the spine. Talk to us about failed back syndrome. So start us with the basics, kind of what is it, how might someone know they have it, and how does surgery, specifically the types of procedures you're doing, how can that help someone with failed back syndrome? Yeah, so uh, failed back syndrome, is it, it's kind of a catch-all term, and uh, we, we, we talk about people with failed back syndrome are people that have either undergone multiple spine surgeries and still have uh, severe pain uh, or issues, um, and then also people that have maybe tried everything possible, um, you know, to treat their, their spine issues and probably even seen a spine surgeon who told them, you know, nothing can really be done for you, um, mm. but, but still have severe, severe pain. Um, so that's kind of a, a general idea of what failed back syndrome is. But uh, the, the, the actual cause of failed back syndrome, there, there can be multiple different causes. Um, and and uh, there's multiple different treatments for it, but uh, in, in a large portion of cases, I, it, it's often that uh, the people treating the, the spine issue or even the spine surgeon uh, ha- hasn't really paid attention to the patient's overall spinal balance. In other words, um, does your head sit directly above your pelvis? Uh, if it doesn't, then then you can have issues with uh, uh, standing upright and walking, and this all tends to create uh, a lot of pain. Uh, if, you, if you think about it, if you could imagine, if you were walking around with your head sitting six inches in front of where your pelvis is or kind of lean, hunched forward at all time, uh, you know, that, that would be very, very painful mm. and, and kind of would be, uh, as I describe it to my patients often, a, a, a tug of war between gravity pulling you forward and the muscles of your back trying to pull you back into proper alignment. Um, and, and so I see a lot of people that, that have quote unquote failed back syndrome that, that actually have this 
what we consider a spinal deformity uh, that, that that's causing the problem. And, you know, maybe they've had multiple surgeries in the past, but nobody's really paid attention to the overall alignment of their spine and, and kind of missed that. And, uh, and I'm able to help people um, by fixing that imbalance that, that maybe had gone overlooked uh, in the past. That's interesting. It, do you find that that hunching that you talked about, is that generally um, just how people were born or is that attributed at all to poor posture? Yeah. So, um, you know, but by the time you're seeing me, uh, it, it's not just poor posture and, you know, may, maybe there's some relationship, but this is, uh, this is an issue of, of basically degeneration of the spine over years and years. Okay. So, um, as, as things break down, you lose the normal curvature of your spine. So, yeah. so normally, uh, you, you've got specific curves in your neck and in your mid back and in your low back. And, and those curves help, help keep your body or, uh, in alignment, help keep your, your head over your pelvis as, as we get older and as the spine kind of breaks down with arthritis, et cetera, some people lose that normal curvature and, and that's what ultimately results in that uh, kind of forward posture or what we refer to as kyphosis. Huh. That is very interesting as I try to sit up a little bit straighter. <laughs> so is, is robotic spine surgery a viable treatment option for folks who are experiencing failed back syndrome or do you generally find that people want to shy away from surgery after maybe they've had an experience that has failed and they're still in pain? Yeah, so uh, absolutely robotics is, is very well suited to dealing with uh, with failed back syndrome, especially in cases when, when patients have had other surgeries before and the surgery to, to fix the problem is, is quite complex. Um, so I, I use the robot uh, very frequently to fix these problems, uh, again, when they need to be fixed. Um, and, and, you know, it is uh, totally understandable that somebody who's had multiple spine surgeries in the past would, would shy away from, from more surgery. But uh, um, it, there are many cases in which, uh, uh, you know, that, that there is a, a definitive problem that we can fix and, and really give people their lives back. And, and in those cases, uh, you know, despite having failed spine surgery in, in the past, uh, we can still really make a big, big difference. It's got to be rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. So what does life look like after surgery for most patients? You know, whether this is their first go at spine surgery or if they're coming to you as a result of failed back syndrome where they've maybe had a couple before and now we're looking to kind of improve the quality of life where we can. What do you see as a result of treatment with robotic spine surgery for most patients? Well, you know, again, it is it is highly variable, and it depends on, on what surgery we're doing and, and why. But uh, um, it, generally speaking, you know, my, my goal is to get uh, people back to, to doing what they want to do. So um, people find that as they as they have more and more pain or disability as a result of their spine issues, that they tend to give up more and more of what they what they love to do. Mm. And so my, my goal is to really get people back doing what they want to do. Um, you know, with, with my patients, my, my plan is, is, is to fix them and, and to, uh, basically have them to the point that, that they have no limitations down the road, three, three to six months, generally speaking, and that they can go back and, and try to get back into what, uh, what they want to do. So, um, 
you know, I know it's very discouraging and I see a lot of people who are told, well, you'll never do that again. Mm. Um, but, uh, there, there are many cases in which, yeah, you could do that again. Uh, it, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, finding the right solution for you and, and being able to fix it. Sure. The, the, the problem. And what an encouragement and a joy it must be for these patients who have probably lived many, many years with not only chronic pain um, daily, but also with, I imagine, lack of mobility, um, like you said, loss of activities, especially physical activities or sports that they may have enjoyed. And to get even a portion back would would be a complete, just a radically different quality of life. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that, that's, that's definitely true. And I, I, I see it all the time with people. And um, again, you know, I, I'm not going to take you from... Uh, you know where where you are to being a, a, an Olympic athlete, probably. Sure. But at least I can uh, uh, make make you feel good enough to maybe get back on the golf course or or hang out with your children or, or grandchildren. Yeah. You know. But I think that that message is an, an important one for everybody at home to hear that all hope is not lost. That it's worth investigating. It's worth you know maybe reaching out and asking the questions and seeing if this might be a viable option for some folks. Like you said, there are probably a lot of people out there who are listening here today who have been told, uh, well, this is just as good as it's going to get, you know, or you'll never do that again. Like you said, and maybe in some cases that might be accurate, but like you said, I bet there are a lot of those out there who could benefit from maybe having a consultation or from um, just seeing what this robotic technology could do. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree, and uh, you know, I see see patients uh, every day um, that uh, are discouraged, and that that we find good solutions from that for them, and uh, and really help them get back to some of the activities that they they had stopped doing. That's great. Was there anything else we haven't directly covered today that uh, you wanted to mention, or you think is important to add? Yeah, I think we pretty much covered everything that. Uh, that we wanted to talk about, you know, it is, it is difficult describing exactly, uh, you know, robotic spine surgery and specific, uh, procedures and things because it it is, it's quite complicated. It it really comes down to like an individual basis, you know, uh, why I do what for who and, you know, two people with the exact same problem may get two different procedures because of, you know, various, various reasons. Sure. But, uh, um, yeah, no, I think we got the, the point across. I, I think, I don't know. You tell me. No, I mean, I think so. <laughs> I think, I think it's, it's helpful just to demystify some of it because I think when people hear robotic surgery, they're like, Oh, well, that sounds too complicated. You know, my my doctor's not even going to be the one in control. And there's, there's a lot of myths out there, a lot of just false information, right, that I think can kind of make it feel scary or um, just immediately avoidant. And I think it helps just to to talk through not only just the terminology, but kind of break down what does that mean? What does that look like? And the bottom line is that, you know, we're, we're looking at problem and then solution, right? So there's problem diagnosis solution is really the gist of it. You've got back pain, you've got, like you said, some of these symptoms that we mentioned today. And really, it's just about what tools do we have? What what are our capabilities? What makes the most sense given this person's uh, medical history and the abilities that we have now with emerging technology to fix that 
or to do the best that we can to get them to a better state and quality of life. And I think when we look at it like that, and when we talk to you and you share your expertise with us, it's it helps to put the pieces together to make it something that is extremely complicated and is extremely difficult for most of us to understand, it makes it feel a little more attainable. So I really do appreciate you taking the time to explain to us to take some of that mystery away. All right. Well, great. And I'm, I'm happy to do it. Well, Dr. Sirak, thank you for joining me on the show today. I think I can speak for everyone when I say that we are very excited and grateful to have your expertise here at Baptist Health. If you want to learn more about robotic surgery or the surgical services we offer at Baptist Health, visit baptisthealth.com or check the show notes in today's episode for a direct link. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a review wherever you're listening or share and tag us on social media for a chance to be featured. I'll catch you right here next time on Health Talks Now. Stay well. Well, that is a wrap with Dr. Sirak. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode, as always, please leave us a review where you're listening and share it with a friend. If you want to make an appointment with Dr. Sirak or get in contact with his office, I will leave the contact information for his office in the show notes of today's episode. Thanks so much again, and we'll catch you next time on Health Talks Now. Stay well. Stay well.